every day, God, from the rising of the sun until the going down of the same, I will praise you, O Lord. I will praise you, O Lord. I thank you, Jesus, again today, God. Let your glory be over us, O God. I thank you for your word uh, where two or three are gathered together. You are there in the mix of us, and I praise you. You are worthy, Almighty God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Well, great is the Lord, and he's greatly to be praised. In the city of our God, in the mountains of his holiness, beautiful for situations, the joy of the whole earth. Is Mount Zion on the side of the north, the city of the great king? Oh, great is the Lord, and he's greatly to be praised. In the city of our God, in the mountains of his holiness, beautiful for situations, the joy of the whole earth. Is Mount Zion on the side of the north, the city of the great king? Oh, great is the Lord, and he's greatly to be praised. In the city of our God, in the mountains of his holiness, beautiful for situations, the joy of the whole earth. Is Mount Zion on the side of the north, the city of the great king? One more time. Oh, great is the Lord, and he's greatly to be praised. In the city of our God, in the mountains of his holiness, beautiful for situations, the joy of the whole earth. Is Mount Zion on the side of the north, the city of the great king? Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, I thank you, God. Great is the Lord. He's worthy of my praise. He's worthy of my glory and honor. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. You sing those two songs and look at all the scriptures you just put inside of you. <laughs> Amen. The word of God. Amen. Amen. Sing to yourself psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. It's so good to have brother and sister Ward Raybon with us from Elton, Wisconsin today. Amen. We're glad for that. He'll be ministering here in a few seconds. Amen. But it's good to be in the house of the Lord. And so we want to get in our discipleship class. Brother Wayne, could you help me pick up the discipleship offering for me, sir? God, thank you again today for your goodness. Bless this house. Bless the word today that we will hear. We love you. We thank you. Touch all those that are not here that may be sick in body. God, continue to minister in every place in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We're talking about core values. Amen. And so we want to get right back into this uh, this discussion and our topic. As you know, part of our church's purpose and things is to core values. And we're like we have seen that everything is centered around your core values, apostolic doctrine, Apostolic unity, apostolic identity, apostolic ministry, and apostolic worship. If we say we're apostolic, 
we got to be apostolic. Amen. And that's why when you get to the New Testament, the letters to the church, the Apostle Paul is constantly pounding doctrine, 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 doctrine. As we saw in 1 Timothy 4.16, he told Timothy, Continue thou in the doctrine, for in so doing you will save yourselves and everyone, thank you, and everyone else that hears it from you. So it's important. Now, last week I was telling you when I was in the Army, the Army has an entire command. It's called the Army Training and Doctrine Command. And their overall purpose is to write doctrine, to ensure doctrine is being forced, amen, and that it is across the spectrum for the entire army because all soldiers are expected to know the basic fundamental doctrine of the army. And so it's the same way in the church. And we have seen that this organization, every month you get the Pentecostal Now Life, which used to be for years the Pentecostal Herald and uh, the Reflections magazines. And all these magazines that come out from headquarters, you're going to find that it is going to be focused. The first few pages you're going to see is going to cover the basic fundamental doctrines of this organization. The basic fundamental doctrine of this organization we have learned is the full doctrine of salvation. There's not a part doctrine of salvation. There's a full, amen, repentance, water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the initial sign of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God give utterance. And we encourage brothers and sisters uh, to Ephesians 4 for the, not the disunity of the body, amen. But there's a lot of other doctrines, and we're going to cover a few of those. Amen. But the basic fundamental things, repentance, water baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, that is basics. See, that gets you into the church. But now you must move on to perfection. Say, that's why, as I said in Ephesians, I mean, Hebrews 6, Paul says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let's go on to perfection, not laying again the foundations of baptism. You know, there's going to be some things that we automatically learn from the beginning that I don't need to keep pounding. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do that. And so that's important. So we have seen that doctrine is designed to maintain that pattern. As the Lord told Moses, see that you make all things according to the pattern showed you in the mount. Because the things in the earth must be reflection of the things in heaven. Say, and so therefore there's heavenly visions. When you look at everything that God does, it's a pattern out of heaven. From the ark to the tabernacle in the wilderness to the new plan of salvation, those are patterns out of heaven. Say, and so we have to realize as we're reading and we're studying the overall application. Every time you read the word of God, you need to be asking yourself, how does this really apply to me? Why does God want me to know this? Why does God want me to learn this? Does he want me to learn this and, and, and apply it? Say, as I have said, if we don't understand the, the doctrine, we will never understand why we do things the way that we do. Say, people backslide and walk away, not because they don't love God. It's because they don't know the doctrine. Say, doctrine is designed to pull you to God. To draw you closer to him. To bring a clear uh, understanding. Amen. And so the basic fundamental doctrine is, is taught across the board. Say, 
And this is why kind of like, and I, I play back and forth with the military structure. You know, as a leader in the, in the military, I could go to your unit. Your soldiers today may be in just their uh, T-shirt top, you know, and I could walk in and get livid. You know, why are you out of uniform? But they may not be out of uniform because according to the Army structure, say, commanders has the responsibility to enforce good order and discipline in his unit, say. So the commander's uniform of the day might be for all of his soldiers just to wear their T-shirt if it's hot in their workplace. But if I walk in and I don't know that as their leader, I can go off the deep end. And then somebody's going to grab my coattail and pull me to the side and says, uh, the commander's order and discipline of the day is that the soldiers can only wear just their T-shirt top with their trousers, say. But the basic doctrine isn't going to change. They all still, when time comes, is going to fire their weapon. <laughs> They're all still going to dress in the right uniform of the day that, that the Army wants, you know. They're going to know how to march. They're going to know how to respect authority. They're going to do all these things that are basic, fundamental doctrine. It's not going to change. See, that's why when we come to the church, we have to realize this. Amen. The basic, fundamental doctrine doesn't change. That pastor is like the commander. He's responsible for the order and discipline of his congregation or the people. He has to know the state of his own flock. So he has to enforce what he sees fit to bring everybody into line, to keep the morale, to keep the unity of the body so that it doesn't divide the body and stuff. And so you know what you're doing. Does that make sense? Amen. Good. Okay. So we, we have to realize these things because if not, we can say they are not saving. They're not doing this right. They're not doing that right. No, that pastor is responsible for good order and discipline of his church, say, but I guarantee you, you get down into the nuts and bolts. If they say they're part of the United Pentecostal church, they're going to baptize in Jesus name. They're going to tell people they need the gift of the Holy Ghost and the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And they're going to teach on holiness and separation. And the basic doctrine stuff is going to be in force. See, but a lot of times we can, like I says, I could walk into a unit and I could say, man, you guys have lost it, <laughs> but they may not have lost it. Amen. Because those same soldiers, you will see them when they get in formation, they're going to be in the same uniform. They're going to be, if there's a parade going on, they're going to be dressed just like everybody else. Okay? So let's move on here. Amen. So the, the doctrine of baptism, say, that's what, notice what Paul says in Ephesians 6, I mean Hebrews 6, leaving the doctrine of the principles of baptism. Say, now, some people can look at 1 Corinthians uh, 1 and verse 17, where Paul says, you know, God sent me not to baptize. He sent me to preach the gospel. And I had a God tell me that one time. He said, see, I don't need to be baptized to be saved. He says, because Paul says right here, God sent send him to be baptized, to baptize people. I said, man, you're, you're off track. That's not what he's saying. You know, he's saying that God, the main function of a preacher when he's traveling is to preach the gospel. Say, for example, if I go to his church and preach, I'm not going to baptize the people there. He is. 
Other people in his church is going to baptize them, not me. See, that's the thing. You read scripture, you don't see Peter baptized anybody, do you? Read it. He ain't baptized anybody. But I guarantee you, he preached it. He told them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin. So now what you're going to do is say baptism is important. You don't need baptism to be saved. No, that's not what they're saying. You have to have an understanding of the doctrine. Say, certain people does certain things. That's like an evangelist come in. You don't see the evangelist baptizing people. That's up to those people that he's ministering to and the leadership ram there to take care of that. That's why, you know, Paul, when you read through the book of uh, Corinthians, you find out Paul goes on. He says, I only baptized the household of Stephanas, and I think it's Christmas and a few others. He said, but other than that, I tell you, I don't really know if I baptized any or not because that was not his job. That's the same way. If I'm traveling... And I come across Brother Wayne, and he and I is out there talking, and he don't know anything about the gospel. And he says to me, hey, what do you do? And I say, I'm a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, what does that mean? And I started teaching him about, and he said, like the eunuch. He says, hey, here's water. What does hinder me? But Philip says, no, we, I got to wait and go back and get, you know, Peter and John and bring them down so they can baptize you. He said, no, here's water. Come on. You know? Because he had already been baptizing people. He was traveling. He was baptizing people. That's why when he comes to, to uh, when you look at e, uh, Acts 8, you know, he goes down to Samaria. He's baptizing people. He's already baptizing people. See, because he's a traveling evangelist. He ain't got nobody else there. <laughs> you know, so he, they want, the man wanted to be baptized, so he baptized him. Same way, when I was in the desert, the desert storm, I had one of my soldiers. He says to me as I was giving him a Bible study, he says, first sergeant, he says, I need to be baptized. I didn't tell him, well, we need to wait till we get back to America. I said, you meet me tomorrow morning right here at 5 o'clock before we go to PT, and you and I are going down here to the pool and I'm going to baptize you in Jesus' name, you know. But in the desert, I don't think I baptized anybody else. You know, he was my first guy I ever baptized, see. So we have to have the understanding of the doctrine of baptism. How does it apply? Why do I need to be baptized? Acts 2 tells us what? For the remission of sins. Jesus tells us in John 3, 3, 5, you must be born again of what? The water and the spirit. Again means from above, anew. See, the Greek word for that means from above, and it means new. See, it's not coming out of my mother's womb, you know. So we have to, the baptism is important. And so how does it apply to my life? When I repent, I'm dying to the world. When I'm baptized, I'm taking on Jesus' death. When I come up, I'm risen and to walk in what? Newness of life. So how, when I understand how that applies to me, then that's why I go on and I live that. See, I have to change here. Amen. So baptism is important. Amen. Mark 16, 15, you notice they was to continue to teach Go ye therefore and what? Preach the gospel to every creature. 
He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Cast out devils, speak with new tongues, take up serpents. They drink any deadly things shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. You know, so the basic doctrine is still going to be pounded. <laughs> you apostolic, you probably hear just about every message, every teaching, somewhere it's going to come out. So that's why Paul is saying we're going to do that anyhow. That's going to be a given. See, so we need to realize that. So doctrine draws us to Christ. Amen. First Timothy chapter four verse thirteen. Notice what Paul again he continues to tell Timothy: give attendance to, to what reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Notice, give attendance to, pay attention to it, put it in your mind. See, that's why in the army they tell you don't ever forget it, <laughs> live it. You know. And as I said last week, that's why when soldiers and people who've been in the military, as soon as they hear the national anthem, they automatically go to attention because it's been embedded in them. It's been taught to them. That's just like every, you, you find a person that's been in the military. They could be in a, out 30, 40 years. Somebody walk in the room and holler, attention, they're going to jump. You know, it's because it's, it's, it's they've been indoctrinated to do that, see, and so there should be some things that we learn automatic by just being apart. That nobody has to keep telling us, to pound us with it constantly because we are learning, we are growing. As Paul told Timothy, give attendance to it. Study to show yourself approved. Know why you're doing what you're doing. As I said at the onset, pray and ask God, God, what, what do, how does this apply? See, so that you will give attention to it. Now notice here, amen, in Second uh, John chapter uh, 1, verse 9, John says that he that abideth, what, not in the doctrine of Christ, hath not God. But if you abide in the doctrine, what do you got? Both Christ and God. It's not two persons. You just got God. <laughs> you know? Because this doctrine is designed to bring you to the clear understanding of who he is, that what you're a part of. See? So when we know the doctrine, we're going to know, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Say, Because that was from the beginning, the teachings. See? The things that Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, the things that you have learned, give to other men, Faithful men that should be able to what? To teach others also. See? So the doctrine of Christ. What did Jesus teach? See? He taught that he's God. He taught forgiveness. He taught baptism. He taught repentance. He taught separation. He taught holiness. He taught these things to them. See? And one of the things, as I go back and said about doctrine... If you don't understand doctrine, it's easy to get upset and walk away. You don't see this with the apostles. See, you see it with some of the disciples, some of the people. If you notice in Acts, I mean John 6, when Jesus says, Except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. And what the scripture said, many at that time went back and followed him no more because they said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Say, but not the apostles. You know, when Jesus said to them, will you go away also? 
Peter says, Lord, where are we going? You've got the words of eternal life, and we're persuaded that you are the Christ. See, when you don't understand something, it's not the time to get angry and walk away. It's time to stop and go to the person and say, explain this to me. Show me in the word why you said that or or how does this apply to me. A lot of people get angry. You can't tell me what to do. You can't tell me what to wear. You can't tell me where to go. You can't do all these, these don't. You can't tell me instead of stopping and getting understanding. I think Solomon says wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get an understanding. You know, ask them. Don't be afraid to ask. You know, because if you walk away without an understanding, what do you do? You just got more confusion. See, because it's going to be in the back of your mind constantly. Why did they say that? You know, so you want to have a clear understanding. And this is why the apostles would always come to Jesus out there while it was going. So, okay, Lord, explain this to us. You know, for example, you know, Jesus, when Peter says, Lord, how many times my brother offend me and I forgive him? Seven times? Jesus said, no, nah, seven times seven. What did he say? Lord, you need to increase my faith. He didn't walk away. You know, he says, increase my faith. Show me how to build my faith so I can accept what you are telling me that I need to do. See? Because sometimes with doctrine, you're not going to understand it until you understand the value of it. I can guarantee you, when I was a soldier, the first time they told me that I needed to crawl in the mud and crawl on the barbed wire fence while a 50 cal machine gun is firing over my head, you know, bullets about this high, real bullets, about this high off the ground, and you can see the tracers, and they're saying you're going to crawl 100 yards through this area, you know, and you're wondering, why do I need this? You know, and they tell you immediately, because when you get in combat, you might need to be a little bit lower. (laughs) Keep your head down, see? So you learn that this applies, see? And, and that's, the, that's the key to doctrine, is you've got to know how it all applies. Sometimes at the onset, it's not going to make a whole lot of sense. See? And that's why a lot of Jesus' disciples went back. They didn't understand. Look at John Mark. You know, he even went back. But later on, what do we find? You know, after he, I believe, he got some training from his Uncle Barnabas and some of the other ministers. And later on, and Paul were right to Timothy, he says, hey, when you come, mark with me, with you, because he's profitable now to me. Say, so, so don't run away. Get an understanding. Study. Pray. You know, ask God for directions, because if you have God's doctrine, you got God. You know, and if I got God, pretty, I'm pretty well off. <laughs> you know, greater he is in me than he that is in the world. So I don't have to worry about my enemies defeating me, right? Nothing shall be able to separate me from the love of God. Amen. So uh, Paul goes on, and, and we see that Jesus taught the doctrine of what? Prayer. He talked about prayer, you know. Because the disciples says, Lord, what? Teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. So Jesus didn't say, oh, no, it's not important. 
That's not part of the doctrine. No. He taught them. He says, when you pray, say, our Father, which art in heaven. We know, right? And so, and so to me, I, you know, I, you guys know I like to pray with acronyms and, and words and, and stuff a lot. So to me, I, I've looked at the word prayer, and this is what I come up with. Putting righteousness at your ever ready. Prayer. Putting righteousness at your ever ready. That's what you're doing when you're praying. You're getting it right. Say righteousness. Because God talked righteousness, right? He constantly pounded righteousness. Be right. Be right. Because you can't enter heaven wrong. <laughs> you know? So we, we have to realize. So, so put in righteousness at your ever ready. Be ready. Be right. Say, it's what you're ascribing to be right. Some say, I just want to be right. When you see me walking, I want to be right. When you see me testify, I want to be right. When you see me praising God, I want to be right. And prayer helps me get that way. Because, see, I'm coming before him. Say, I'm coming into his presence with thanksgiving in my heart. Say, I want to know what God wants. See, I want to get that attitude uh, like David, creating me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. See, righteousness is what? It's the white linen of the saints of God. It's our breastplate. It's our protection. If I'm right, I don't have to worry about people accusing me of being wrong. They may accuse me, but it won't stand. See? So God taught righteousness. That's why when you look at Psalms 15, the psalmist says, Lord, who shall dwell in thy tabernacle, who's dwell in thy holy place, holy hills? He said, he that have a clean hand, pure heart, not given of his soul to vanity, nor sworn to see if he shall receive the blessing of the Lord and the righteousness of our God. You know, he's, he's pounding right, doing right. That's why the law was just to teach them how to do right until what? Righteousness came. That's why Paul, right into the church of Rome, he says, Jesus is the end of the law of righteousness to them that's born again. Why? Because you got God on, and you're supposed to know to do what is right. Because he's a God of righteousness. See? He's not a God of sin. <laughs> he's a God of righteousness. See? That's why you read the New Testament, it comes to tell you, don't you know? 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 See, there's things you should know. I'm born again. I'm not this same old person that I used to be. He's behind me now. Amen. So put in righteousness at your ever ready. Be ready. Be ready. Be always ready. Be ready to give an account of everyone that asks you of the hope that's in you. Amen. With fear, right? So are you right? You want to be right. Amen. Praise God, because he's the end of all righteousness. So, so they taught prayer. Even Jesus is, you know, we, we use the scripture that he told Peter. What? Tarry with me. Could you not tarry with me one hour? Watch and what? Pray. Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Say. So if my flesh is weak, then what do I need to do? I need to be strong. See, I need to be able to withstand things. 
I need to be able to like Timex, as I always say, take a licking and keep on ticking. Say, say, I, I, I need to be able to stand against some things that comes against me. I can't allow the continual wrong to pull me away. Say, somewhere I have got to get to the point that I says, no, I'm right. This is right. You know, we we talk, you know, as about how to route people off and get in front of them and turn them around. Well, righteousness is how you do that. It's what you have to realize. You want to see change in others, you've got to be right. I can't tell you to do something and I'm wrong. You know, I, people have to see right. If I say church is important and I don't go to church, who's going to believe me? <laughs> you know, the same way with our kids. If I tell my kids that church is important and I ain't there, you know what they're going to say? It ain't important. See, I have to make sure that they see the things that's valuable and important. See, I don't go after them. I want them to come after me. Because why? As Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. You know, if they schedule things that goes against church time, sorry, I love you, but I don't think I can be there. Because I want you to see what is important and what is right. See, a lot of times we will say, okay, I'll be there for your softball game. I'll be there for your other school functions and whatever. And then you know what you just told them? Church ain't important. Tight, but it's right. (laughs) See, you you have to let them see righteousness. And the value, see, doesn't mean that you don't love them. Amen? So just show them the things that is important to them. Amen. So prayer is very important and is key. First Timothy chapter 6, you know, a lot of times we focus on that point in there in verse 10 where Paul says the love of money is the root of all evil while some is covered after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But I want you to look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. Amen. Is it 12? Let me see. Hold on one second. Give me a second. I'll grab it here in a second. Go back to verse 2. Go back to verse 3. Go back to verse 3, okay? We there? Okay. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to what? Godliness. Notice, he is proud, knowing nothing 
but doubting about questions and strife of words, whereof come envy, strife, railing, even surmising, perverse disputing of men of corrupt minds, and destitutes of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. Amen. But notice, godliness with contentment is great gain. So Paul says here, if, if they do not teach the wholesome words of the doctrine of godliness, See, holiness and separation is God's doctrine. See, we must come out from among them separate, saith the Lord. See, so we have to realize the value and importance of this doctrine of holiness. See, holiness is designed to change your mind, change your way of thinking. Say, if I'm going to separate from something, I've got to change my mind. That's why Paul says in First Corinthians, I mean Romans 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? Renewing your mind. Renew how you think. Why? I can't think the same old way. I've got to think totally different. I want my mind, as Paul says in Philippians, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. See? So I want to have the mind of Christ. I want to know what God wants. So if God wants me to separate, to come out from among them and come to him, then I have the purpose in my heart and mind that I'm going to him. See? I want to be what he wants me to be now. I want to live. See, my state of mind changed and I become humble. I become submissive. See, first and foremost to who? God. See, he's my father. He's my God. So I'm coming under his protection. I'm coming under his umbrella. I want him to be around me. I want to be like him. I want to move, as he says in Matthew 5, 48, perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. I want to be complete in him. See? And so, therefore, I want to be steadfast and unmovable. And that's what holiness does is it pulls us under the umbrella of him. See? So that I can see godliness and holiness and I can see him. Because be holy, for I am holy. Say, get complete in me. Let me be all you need. Because I will supply your every need. Everything you have need of is in Christ. Say, so when I understand the doctrine of holiness, all I'm doing is taking a step away from me. Say, because I want to now be like him. I have to be able to look at myself and say, am I reflecting him? It's kind of like what James is saying in James 1. When you look into the perfect law of liberty and you continue therein, see, you will not be a forgetful hearer of the word, but you become a quick doer. See, I think I may have shared with you about doing slavery time when the slaves was trying to get away and Harriet Tubman uh, with her Underground Railroad, the, the authors in some of the books says that she carried a little snub-nosed 22 pistol 
And when she had slaves with her, and some, they would get to a certain point, some of them would want to turn back because they would get afraid. And she would take out her pistol and she would put it to their heads and live free or die. Because she knew if they went back, they would tell the slave master where the underground railroads was and who was leading them out, and they would get captured. So it was, she was, it was better for her to kill them than to let them go back. See? So that's the thing is we got to live free or we're going to die. He's brought us out. See? You know, that's, that's, that's the key thing. You've been brought out. This is why Paul is constantly, when you read the book, he's constantly talking about liberty. Don't use your liberty for the wrong reason. Use it for the right reason. Now you're to serve God. See? So holiness, amen. A good example of holiness is when Adam and Eve sinned. You know, what did they immediately do? They hid themselves. And when God says, Adam, where art thou? What did Adam say? Oh, I heard your voice and I hid myself. Why? I was naked. Who told you you was naked? See, there should be something when we come to God that when we read the word of God, we hear the voice of God, it should cause us to look at ourselves and says, am I present myself in a modest way to God? Is God well pleased with how I look? Am I trying to impress someone else? Say, this is why when, you know, people, the, the world, you know, you, you can look like Tammy Faye Baker, and I, I don't know her that well, I know her at all, but you can look at Tammy Faye, you can buy all the Michael Jordan shoes you want, from Nike and say, I want to be like Mike. You can dress in your hair and look, thank you, Elvis Presley. You know, you can thank you, Vince the Muth. <laughs> but you know what? At the end of the day, you're still you. When you wash it all off, you're still going to see you. See? It's what's going to happen. So if I'm going to see me, I want to be me. <laughs> I want to look like me. I want to look like someone else. I want to be like him. That's my goal is to be like him. See? And that's what holiness is doing. I'm separating from everything else unto him. See? It's what I want to be. I want to be like him. Amen. And that's just why... You see them pounding and teaching the doctrine of holiness. It's to separate. Paul says, don't you know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor idolaters, nor feminists, nor abusers with themselves, with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor wrong, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says, you know what? That's what you used to be. He says, but no, now you're washed. You're sanctified. You're justified in the name of the Lord God and by the Spirit of our God. He says, I can go do that if I want to because I'm grown. I can do that. He said, but it's not expedient. It's going to kill me. See? Because it separates me from God. Because why? I go back to prayer. Put in every... <laughs> Amen. And righteousness. See, that's all holiness is, it's righteousness, it's separation and with your mind. And it starts with you renewing our mind every day. And nothing shall be able to separate me from the love of God, 
which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. It's all about my attitude. That's all holiness is. It's about my attitude. Uh, and the military, we used to tell guys all the time, when they didn't do it right, you need an attitude adjustment. And let me help you adjust your attitude. <laughs> oh, I had a way. To, I, had, I had some things would make you want to call home and talk to mama a lot of time. You know, I had some things that I knew I could do was legal, you know, by the, by the uniform code of military justice. And all you could do was stand there and cry like a baby. Because I had the authority and the power to do it by the book. I had a young girl one time made her do a hundred what's called running scribe jumps. Now, running scribe jumps is you run in place 20 times and then you do 10 modified side scribe hops, you know, and you go like one, two, three, and then you go one, two, three. And after you get 10 size, modified side scribe hops, after running in place, that's only one repetition. So she called the inspecting general on me and says, my first sergeant is, is punishing me for stuff that's not in the book. They came down to, the, to my unit, you know, and I just reached behind my desk and got a female PT manual. Says that exercise is in the female PT manual. You know, you know what they did? They just walked out of my office and went back to their office. Until it says, he's right. <laughs> you know, so why did I say all that? It's an attitude adjustment. See, <laughs> when we come to God, we've got to th- change our way of thinking. We can't continue down the same old road. See, we have to understand God. What are you, why are you teaching me this? Why do I need to know this? How does it apply? See, and all that I do, it's kind of like a 50 cal machine gun. I don't know if you ever seen one or not or ever fired one, but, you know, 50 cal machine guns will pierce through to tanks, knock airplanes out in the air, all these kind of things, you know, when you shoot it. And, you know, in, in the barrel, when you disassemble it and clean it, you have to screw the barrel back in, and it has a gauge. And on one end of the gauge, it's called no-go. And on the other end is go. So the go gauge better go in there when you screw that barrel back in. Because if you do it and don't check it, and as soon as you fart, that whole gun's going to blow up in your face. It's going to kill you. And that, they pound that to you every time you get around one in the Army. You make sure that when you screw that barrel back in after you clean it, you check it with that go gauge and no go gauge so you don't blow yourself up. You got a go and a no-go gauge right there. So every time you start doing something, you need to ask yourself, is this a go or a no-go? Because no-goes always fail. <laughs> Vance got a no-go on his SKT, right? <laughs> you ever get a no-go when you was in the Army? <laughs> Amen. See, we, we, part of the test process, the text of a doctrine, when you're getting ready to graduate, that's what they call it. Go, no go. If you don't salute so right when you when it's time for you for your final graduation test, and they say you got a no go, 
you got to go back and train again so you know how to salute property. You know, you don't, you're, you're marching and you go the wrong way when you should have went the other way. You get a no-go. You got to go back and get some training <laughs> so you can come back and do it right. They want you to know it, you know, the whole thing. Similarly, disassembly of your weapon, all that stuff. Amen. Let's move right on here. Amen. So we want to be in the go. Amen. I want to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen. Enter the joy which I have prepared for you. So notice what Paul says. If, if you don't give the, the wholesome doctrine of godliness, what did he say he is? He's proud. He's puffed up. See, he's got some things inside of his heart that's going to stop him. He, he's, he creates division and disunity because he's pride. And what does Solomon says? I think it's Proverbs thirteen ten. He says, uh, "Oh my goodness, where bitterness? Hey, thank you. Only by pride come contention, arguments, disunity, discord comes from contention." He says, but with pride, it comes from pride. He says, but notice, but with the well-advised is wisdom. When you know what you're doing, you're going to be smarter. When you know the reason, you're going to be much better off. See, holiness is beautiful. It draws you to God. See, as you hear me say, it's not what you wear, it's who you are. And who you are is what you're going to wear. See? So if I say I'm his, then I want to know what should I be wearing that's going to be pleasing to him. Not to you, but to him. Say, I want to be like him. Praise God. And so we need to move on to perfection. Amen. And have the right attitude that God has for us. So let's look at the word attitude. A. Our actions and our conduct. Amen. Do I act like Christ? Say, our attitude. Do I act like Christ? Paul says, I mean, David says, I will be what? Behave myself in a perfect way. See, that's what holiness does is I'm changing my mind so I'll do right. Act right. Be right. My behavior. This is why Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 and 12, let no man despise thy you, but be thy an example and word. And then he used the word conversation, which is my behavior. Say, I must have good, godly behavior. I got to be on my best behavior because I know that people is always watching. Someone is always watching. You know who that someone is? Jesus, <laughs> he's always looking. It's not Santa Claus. He knows when you sleep. He knows when you're awake. <laughs> Amen. But so your actions, your 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 must be like Christ. Amen. T temperance, temperance, temperance is self-control. Holiness calls me to exercise and self-control. Self-control, not pastor control. Self-control. You're controlling yourself. You've got the spirit. Yes, we do. You've got the spirit. So how about you? You remember the pet rallies? You remember that? I got the spirit. Yes, we do. I got the spirit. How about you? You know? So with that, I got to be in control. If I got the spirit, 
That's what John says. If you've got it, you don't need someone to tell you what to do. It's going to teach you what to do. See? I got to be transformed. T, the other T, transform. I got to change. I got to change. Amen. I want to change the way I think. I want to change the way I act. I want to change the way I live. I want to be transformed. Complete. I want to be that butterfly. I want to come out of that cocoon. I want to be have that metamorphosis all changed around to get that. Because holiness is beautiful. I think Isaiah put it that way, doesn't it? Doesn't he calls it the beauty of holiness? So why do you people want to make it ugly? It's beautiful. Amen. I must have integrity. I, I must have integrity. Amen. I must be ethical. Amen. You know what integrity is? Nothing but how much value you put on yourself. That's all it is. How much you work. That's all that integrity is. How much you feel you're worth. And Paul says, I trust you. You know you're not a reprobate. <laughs> and he says, I trust you know you are valuable to God. He was willing to die for you. So that should tell you how valuable you are to him. Amen. We must have tact. Amen. We must have that king sense of appropriate and tastefulness in people around us. We should need to know what's appropriate and what is right. You, we must be unselfish. We must be willing to put others in the mission before ourselves. We must be unselfish in what the things would we do. Amen. We should uh, be dependable. When we, the D, dependable. We must be dependable. Can God count on you? You know, why do you, you know, look at Job. God says to Satan, man, hey, you consider my servant Job? God is saying he's dependable. He ain't going to give up. You know, you got to be dependable. Amen. Then you got to have strong ethics. Man, those moral principles and character traits and everything in you, man, it's got to just be growing constantly and constantly and constantly. Amen. And, uh, with all that in mind, amen, and then we will begin to understand the doctrine and know the doctrine, amen, and we'll have his doctrine in us, and we will reign forever in joy unspeakable and full of glory. Yes, ma'am. Tact, tact, yes, tact, T-A-C-T, amen. All right, moving on. Oh, to the east side. Let's take a break. God bless you.